Hello and welcome. You're listening to Voices from the Pews, the show that invites you to conversations with Catholics of color and those from communities of non-European origin, so that we can get to know more about each other's faith, experiences, and stories. I'm your host, Lorna DeRose. As I think about today's guest, I am reminded that some time ago, I saw an online conversation during which someone mentioned that Johann Sebastian Bach would often write the initials JJ at the beginning of his compositions. The initials JJ stand for Jesu Juva, which is Latin for with the help of Jesus. And he would end compositions by writing the letters SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, which translates to, for the glory of God alone. This gives us a glimpse into how much he completely entrusted his calling as a musician and composer to Almighty God. Similarly, our guest today, as a small child in Cuba, fervently asked God to help her pursue her love of music And now, she lifts up her voice in well-known venues and is the director of music in her parish for the greater glory of God or ad maiorem dei gloriam. I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Malena Towers. All right, today we have with us Malena Towers, who is the Director of Music at St. Mary, Mother of God in Middletown, New Jersey. Malena, thank you so much for being with us today and welcome. Thank you so much for this kind of invitation and for all you're doing to spread the good news of love and the gospel of salvation of Jesus Christ among believers and Catholics among the whole world and in the United States. Amen. Thank you. I'd like to ask you a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Cuba and it was a beautiful testimony to to share how God brought me from, I call it my Egypt, because I, I went through so much in Cuba as a communist country and the oppression and not being able to worship freely sometimes and it was hard (laughs) to be a Christian in Cuba. And growing up in Cuba and it being hard to be a Christian there, can you share a little bit about, for example, being able to go to church? What was it like when you and your family would want to celebrate holidays such as Easter or Christmas? What was it like in regards to the community? What was it like for you and your family? Well, I remember my life in Cuba as a Christian. I grew up uh, in a church, in an evangelical church called the New Pines, and I always was there. In the whole country, Christmas wasn't allowed to be celebrated as a holiday. People still had to work and only the revolutionary dates of the government were celebrated and considered holidays. And this changed when the Pope John Paul II came to Cuba for his visit and that 
change because finally uh, Fidel Castro allowed the Cubans to have Christmas to be celebrated in the nation without being persecuted. You have to work or you cannot celebrate it. We didn't have much. I remember I didn't have many presents or anything growing up from Christmas, but I had the most important thing. I had Jesus and that's all I needed. And I remember in Cuba, there are not many Christians. Uh, many of the pastors that I grew up with, they were put in jail for preaching the gospel or they were put in these concentration camps to work hard labor. And they were released after a few years. And I remember listening to their testimonies and how cruel was to listen to all that and to see the cruelty of this system of communism, but how God was so good to me. I was able to get out of Cuba and find freedom in this beautiful country. I think this is a part of our brothers and sisters that we don't know much about in regards to what is happening in this hemisphere, in Cuba in particular, in regards to our brothers and sisters who are Christians who aren't able to freely celebrate their faith, able to express their faith. So I'm thankful that you were able to come here and be away from that. In regards to what it's like today, are people still not able to attend prayer services or the mass or has it loosened up since you've left? I remember that in Cuba, I wasn't allowed to build new buildings for churches or any kind of uh, new buildings after the era of communism began. That wasn't allowed. So I remember many churches started in houses, many churches started around the country in Bible studies. And right now I heard that there was a building and the government allowed a Catholic church to be built in the province of Sancti Spiritus, which is Holy Spirit. So they uh, recently allowed building and brethren were celebrating mass in there. That was very hopeful and that was beautiful to see a little opening. And it's not as terrible when I was studying. I remember being spied and being like kind of rejected and oppressed and bullied because of being a Christian, because of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And and Cuba, we need to pray for Cuba for, for freedom, for deliverance, and for hope, because that's the most important thing, and that the Lord will deliver them from that terrible system. And also some of the people I have met were very persecuted for their faith, and some of them couldn't, could not study in graduate studies and they were not allowed to study higher education if you did not become communist or atheist and deny practically the Lord. So it was a hard time. My generation, when I was born, they were loosening up that and they allowed me to study my bachelor's in Cuba. And right now, I believe it's more open. However, it's, there is a lot of challenges in Cuba and the churches have a lot of need and uh, I pray God will provide. I'm actually going to a mission trip in October 
trying to bring humanitarian aid to Cuba, trying to support. I'm supporting some churches over there in, in Cuba, and there has been a revival of churches that started in houses, and uh, I'm very excited to see what God is doing right now in Cuba. And as you had an opportunity to leave Cuba and come to the States and then continue your studies, as you came to a new place, what was that like for you and how did that continue to shape your faith? Well, Lorna, I remember while I was in Cuba, I was a missionary and I was preaching the gospel in several places and, and these uh, houses of prayer with Bible studies. And I was also doing my musical career. And I applied to a school called Christ for the Nations in Texas. It's a Bible institute to prepare missionaries for the nations. And I remember sending my application and, and a pastor that even he didn't even know me. He put the money for my enrollment, the money, because I was not able to send the money from Cuba to pay because of all the problems in Cuba. There was an internet, there was an phones, but against all the odds, I saw the hand of God. And while I was in Venezuela teaching choirs of children and singing and serving God, I received the great news that I was approved to study in Christ for the nation. So I went there. It was a a uh, long journey for me coming from another country. I was asking the Lord, please direct me. Is this your will that I should come to America? Because other opportunities of work and were happening and uh, in other countries in South America. But God was very clear and told me to come to America. And I was like, okay, I'll follow because I really don't know anyone there. I don't know how it's going to be. Um, I have so many questions and I had to take a, a steps of faith all the way. And I, I am grateful that God did that because I was able to study there. And after a period of time, the president of Southwestern Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, heard about me and another Cuban who came and were studying. And he offered us the scholarship to study music, the master's in music, in church music and voice performance. And I became the first um, Cuban graduated from that institution in 2016 with honors to the glory of God. And uh, I see how God is using that degree and that preparation to serve him today here in St. Mary Mother of God Church. And what he has done, I, I cannot even begin to describe it. How great is our God, Lorna, how marvelous, how excellent, and how beautiful is the God we serve. Amen. Amen. And uh, you, you studied at two very good, I've heard of Southwestern Seminary, and I know that it has a very good reputation. Coming from there and having graduated, you've had the opportunity to sing and lead people in prayer through song in various places, whether it's um, the Protestant service or um, Jewish um, congregation as well. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I think God has prepared me all the way and uh, he has allowed me to go 
to different backgrounds, different ethnicities of churches. I can tell you, I was the worship leader of a Nigerian church in Texas. I never imagined that would happen. It was a beautiful church and I was able to direct them in worship. And I remember learning some Nigerian songs and I remember singing and also from Cameroon, brothers and sisters. Then I was able to lead worship in a Hispanic church over there. Then when I came here to New York, I got accepted in Manis in the music and the performing arts because I'm a singer. So they accepted me to study the diploma in opera. And while I was there, I got accepted into the position to play and lead worship with Shardonai, which means the gate of the Lord. And this, uh, this is a Messianic congregation comprised of Jewish and Gentiles. And at the same time, I was invited to lead worship in a Korean church and in Egg Harbor here in New Jersey. So I was in different places ministering and in other also different parts of the nation, going to conferences and singing. And the Lord allowed all that experience. And I started also cantering in the Presbyterian Church here. And that's how I met some of the music directors in the area. And then one day, God allowed me to see this ad of, they were looking for a worship leader for the live team here at St. Mary's. And I applied and came for the interview and the audition and God opened the door miraculously and this church became not only a home where I can find the, the love of God, the refuge of God, but also for my family became a place of worship that we all felt so part of it, so connected and what God has done, I cannot even describe it. My my he, sister He was gu- he was guiding your journey step by step through music through your gift of song and being able to lead others in worship. Um, so uh, welcome to St. Mary's, I, I suppose I can say. Um, it is a beautiful community of believers. And as you are thinking about your encounter with St. Mary's, your encounter with your church, tell me a little bit about what you found beautiful about not only St. Mary's, but about the, the church itself. This is so interesting because when we were getting the training as worship leaders in the seminary and uh, scholars, I remember reading the Summa Theological from Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, and I, I found fascinating the part of the Eucharist. And then I started digging deep and looking at it and saying visiting the different churches and seeing the way they did it and then I was like wow yeah that's that's so important that Eucharist but something is missing some churches do it in this way some churches do it once a month some churches do it once a year and I was like but this is so pivotal and the way it's described so when I joined St. Mary one of the things I got to touch my heart and moved me to become a Catholic uh, was to receive communion every single weekend. And if I want every single day coming to us and to really receive the presence of God and his divine presence in the blood and the, that is the body. So the elements 
becoming the real presence was a life-changing experience for me. I decided to partake with the choir, become one with my community in Christ, with the body of Christ in this town, in this place where in time to partake of that blessing, there's nothing like that. And I'm very glad. And not only that happened to me, my mom also joined the church last year and we're rejoicing because of what God has done in our lives and to be able to be part of the choir. I don't know if you heard, but we have 100 Voices Choir for Christmas here for the first time in St. Mary's with orchestra and we did a beautiful cantata and that touched so many lives. And we had around 40 children with a total of 160 musicians and singers and children and, and adults. And it was really, really a beautiful way to to give back to God and then on Easter we had for the first time the chorus of the hallelujah from Handel people were so moved to hear the the hallelujah chorus being an exaltation to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ so I see what God has done and not only this time of challenging times through the pandemic our church took so many new ways that the Holy Spirit guided to have the outdoor masses, to have uh, healing services outdoor. It has been incredible what God has done and uh, how people are volunteering. We did for the first time, I wrote a musical for Christmas and we did a movie. It's on YouTube with the children, with the adults. And it was a beautiful uh, musical called The Messiah Was Born in My Heart. And God touched people through through that in the midst of the pandemic. Nobody could come to the church, but at least we were able to send a message, to send hope. And I tell you, this is more important to me than being in the Metropolitan Opera House singing opera. To, to be able to touch one life for Jesus is more important than anything else in this world. And I know that so many have been touched by your leading us through prayer, through song, and you know, and I'm sure that at those pivotal moments, someone has been let closer to Christ, which is what we hope and pray for. I'm very excited to be part of the movement of God, reawakening our beautiful brothers and sisters and reviving our church, renewing our souls to get closer to Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to move and bring healing, bring salvation. That's what we need, Lorna. Yeah, that is truly what we, we need because, uh, you know, coming back to Pope John Paul II, he called us to evangelize and in many cases re-evangelize our culture. And as you know, in the United States, this culture needs that reawakening of faith because um, many have lost it. And even if they say, okay, I am Catholic, but they don't have the deep knowledge and that, that deep relationship with Christ. And so helping them to come closer to Christ, whether, and this is the thing in the strength that, that, that is at St. Mary's is that there are various events and activities and even just through the mass, yes, um, there are opportunities. That's true. And God is moving. And I, I want to tell you, not only God is using us in this capacity, but through the time of the war in Ukraine, uh, the fact we were able to, have, have this beautiful mass and concerts to raise 
funds and to help families for Ukraine. God has been using our choir. And I was like, you know, I wonder the generosity, the kindness of the people. And we did this mass and helped two families from Ukraine. And, and now they some of them are already here safe. And we saw God moving and also we helped the churches. Our, our church helped the churches in Ukraine. And the people were able to, to provide $16,000 for that cause. And that really touched my heart to see how God is moving not only through the word, but also through givings, through alms, givings and, and love offerings to help people in need. And not only from our nation, but also from other nations around the world. And Lorna, I have great things to share with you because not only God is moving, also taking our choir to new experiences. And in Ocean Grove, they had the 68th uh, annual choir fest, and I was invited for the first time. And we were there with around 600, 700 uh, singers and musicians and orchestra and with great conductors and I was invited to conduct all these singers and then the, there are 6,500 seats on that big auditorium and around 4,000 people were there that evening and our, our church was did a wonderful job to the glory of God and I'm very excited where is God taking us into high places we go places we humble more and we serve him more with a heart of worship and i'm very very happy for what's happening and it has been so worth it and all the sorrows all the pain he has converted it in joy in a joyful song of praise and glory to his name voices from the pews will be right back after this is there a story you'd like to share Get in touch. Send an email to Voices from the Pews Podcast at gmail.com or call and leave a message at 617 682 No matter what your passion is, Superblink wants to help your podcast level up. All you have to do is strike up a conversation with people in your lane. And we'll help you knock one out of the park. For more information, visit superblink.org. You're listening to Voices from the Pews. Welcome back to our conversation. I'm going to ask you a question that I'm thinking about, and being that you've had such a varied experience of being able to share your gift of song how is the approach different when you are sharing music within a protestant setting versus the catholic mass is there a difference and if so what does that look like we serve one god and we all fall under categories of christians and uh, catholic church and then we see all the other churches separated, but still there is this bonding factor that is our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is raising the people together. And I see more how 
we have to be together as one body. And I tell you, I see one of the things that I love the most about our masses is the reverence. Our brethren, the way we worship, we enter the house of God with such mm, solemnities, with such majesty in awe and wonder, and with a big reverence to our God. And I think the whole service goes into the combination of the Eucharist point. I think that's a very important part that really differentiates our faith and practice and from other churches who might not have the same richness we have in our liturgy. So I think our liturgy is very rich the way we have it. And when you don't have it, you miss it. I tell you, I've been invited to many churches. I have uh, sang, I have uh, spoken in, in churches, and I feel very blessed to, to, to share with them and to talk about. But what it makes different, the, the big difference is the Eucharist and also the Holy Spirit. And I believe our church has that as the banner of this church is to really, really allow the charismata movement and the Holy Spirit to move with power among the people. And I have seen the whole spectrum of very traditional Protestant churches and also very traditional Catholic churches. And I have seen also very Pentecostal and open to the Holy Spirit churches. I think God's church, it's compound of his chosen people that he has called. And everyone who believes and accepts Jesus as our Lord will be part of his body and he will direct everybody to him and to see that the Eucharist is such an important moment of taking of his body and blood. So I see that difference and I miss it. I really enjoy other services, but nothing like our Holy Mass, taking the blood and the body of Christ and allowing the Holy Ghost to move among us. That brings the church alive. And also it depends on the community, uh, Lorna, and the pastor's vision. So there may be churches out there that need Jesus and need Jesus is calling them. Let me in because it's like in the book of Revelation and the church of Laodicea and Jesus calling, calling, come to me, let, let me in and into your heart. And, and he's calling us to be one, to, to join our, our forces together right now more than ever because so many things are happening around us. We cannot be silent anymore. We have to reach the unreached. We have to preach the gospel of salvation to the, the ones who need it the most, the poor, the oppressed, and the, defend the rights of the unborn and continue raising the banner of life in Christ and our Lord Jesus. So, yeah. And as you think about your journey of faith, is there someone or there are a couple of people that you can think of that really helped you in your journey of faith and discipleship? Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you know this, but God allowed me to find my family, especially my mom here in America. She adopted me. So growing up in Cuba, I grew up in the church and 
my biological mom was trying to support me and my sister that she couldn't so we had to leave separated she went to study and then left me with this family and then when she came to pick me up I was already eight years old and then she has this terrible accident she she wasn't walking with God she she was not a believer she she I remember praying for her and I was a little girl and I was asking God please Lord I don't have a mother now with me she's trying to rehabilitate to be able to walk again my sister got away my dad abandoned us we don't have anyone here I only have you so please Lord be my father be my mother be everything to me like the Psalm 27 that David proclaims and and he say even mother and father forsaken me you could not forsake you could not abandon me and i see that the mercies of god the faithfulness of god throughout all my life and then when i came here to america i was so alone lorna i i i really didn't know anyone and i didn't belong you know and and you're looking for that love that confidence and it was hard enough to say uh, I'm a Christian because immediately people reject you no matter what in Cuba especially and going always counterculture always trying to represent Jesus and and walking in his light and sharing that love and that light with others but um, it was a battle of faith, I tell you. So coming here, I remember um, I, I got to see my, my father for before I left Cuba 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And then um, I remember coming to see him and he say, well, well, you, you have to know you're Jewish. I have Jewish for my son because he's uh, so I remember I was uh, singing Hebrew songs and my mom, I met my mom in a mission trip in New York, trying to preach the gospel to Jewish people. Wow. So I met my mom in these circumstances. And she said to me, you are the daughter I never had. And God made a way. I started traveling from Texas to here to spend Christmas with mom and her family and my grandpa. So they became my really my family that I never had. They became that rock, that support system, that loving, kind foundation. And what Jesus taught me so much. And she's also a missionary with chosen people. We teach together and worship together with the women's discipleship here at St. Mary's. And we have now a group about 25, 30 women who come every Wednesday um, to learn more of the Bible, learn more about Jesus, learn more about the Holy Spirit, learn more to love each other and live a victorious life, and also to uh, share each other's struggles, pray for each other, and uh, help each other in love. And that happens through the pandemic. We started a Zoom meeting, actually, and people started to join us from uh, Protestant churches, from uh, Jewish backgrounds, and our sisters from St. Mary's and from all over the world. We have people from the Philippines. We have people from Texas, California, uh, all around. <laughs> and our precious sisters from St. Mary's right here. So God is doing great things. And my mom's name, my mom's name is Starling Line. And uh, I got adopted by her in front of the Josh in Freehold. And I didn't know you could adopt an adult but she say, I will adopt you and give you my name. And that changed my life forever. 
because God was telling me, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And he makes the orphan have, find a family. He makes the alien to find a place. And I'm quoting from the book of Exodus that he says that, that he will provide for those in need. So he has provided more than I could ever imagine, Lorna. And he has given me more than I could ever ask for. And he blessed me. And now, now I, that little girl with eight years old who said, please God be my God and I will serve you all the days of my life and I will honor you. If you help me to become a, a singer and play piano and study, I will give this gifts for you and worship you all the days. I was saying, I was just saying he has answered you more than a thousand fold. Uh, yes. Yes, he has. He has been so good. So good. And I tell you, this church is so special and I give thanks to God for bringing me here, for finding my family and for allowing me to, to serve him. in in this promise, this vow I took when I was a kid, being alone and, and just accepting Christ as my savior when I was eight years old. And I told him, be my mom, be my dad, be everything. And I would serve you and help me. And it happened. And I'm so grateful to see that fulfillment. And and one step at a time, right? <laughs> yes. I'm thanking God with you and for you, just hearing your, your witness. And before I say thank you and we will end, is there a, you know, we have many prayers and sometimes I find um, if I am not able to pray, pray using my own words, but using a prayer um, by one of the saints or one of the prayers of the church helps me to pray. Is there a particular prayer that is like that for you? Oh, yes, absolutely. The, the prayer of Lord Jesus when he taught us to pray, I use very often um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I, I meditate and ponder on that. And uh, sometimes I also reflect on the canticles of, of men and women of God, like the canticle of Mary and the canticle of Simeon and the way they rejoice when they found God. Not all the time we have to pray about something we need, but sometimes we have to pray about giving thanks and marveling about what God has done. Uh, I walk, you know, I was raised uh, different. So for me, I, I might not sometimes know all the prayers that are written by heart, but I try. Then I, I talk to Jesus and talk to the Lord and and really humble myself to um, revere him and use the, the Lord's prayer and also sing to him the Lord's prayer of Malot. Yes, and, and such a deep prayer that touches me so deep. Um, thank you. I, I, I really uh, have enjoyed this, this beautiful time talking to you, Lorna, and all these questions that make me reflect of my faith and what I believe in, how God is working in my heart and growing me. <laughs> oh, and thank you too. And I appreciate, thank you for helping us to pray through song. And St. Augustine says to sing is to pray twice. And so thank you for leading us into that deeper moment of prayer, whether it's just at the beginning of mass through the liturgy of the word, liturgy of the, liturgy of the Eucharist, um, it's helping us to pray through every part of the mass. and even when we're participating in other events, whether it's prayer, it, it helps us to 
you know, lift up our voice. So thank you for that. Amen. Amen. And uh, I appreciate the whole invitation, the, the, the opportunity to talk to you and to reflect on these beautiful things that makes us who we are in the Lord and, and give us our identity in Christ and uh, every day walking by faith and trying to, to continue um, exalting him and praising his name because he's worthy of all honor and, and glory forever and ever. Amen. And on that note, we will end our interview. Malena Towers, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It was such a pleasure to have you with us. Amen. Thank you, Lorna. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation with Malena Towers. To read about the state of the church in Cuba and hear Malena singing, go to the show notes at VoicesFromThePews.com. Thank you for your words of encouragement, suggestions, and comments. Your feedback will help improve this outreach. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend via text or post it on social media. Thank you to Malena Towers for joining us today. And please join us for the next episode with seminarian and editor of The Black Catholic Messenger, Nate Tinner-Williams. Voices from the Pews is produced by Lorna DeRose. Audio editing and post-production by Byron Lee. Music composed and performed by André Louis. Social media assistance provided by Jacqueline Brunache. Web hosting provided by Beyond the Brand. For more information about Voices from the Pews, go to VoicesFromThePews.com. Thank you for listening. See you in two weeks.